This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Jisoo Kim. And today's episode is another special episode on this season on Canadian football and Canadian soccer and the rise of the men's national team catching up with the women's team, if we're being honest. And today I have a very big guest that um, on paper I should not be talking to, <laughs> but is, uh, is Ellie. What's up, Ellie? How's it going? Uh, it's, um, it's great. My place is a mess. We're, we're catering a, like a 12-person dinner tomorrow night, but like obviously always make time to, to talk to the Derby family, awesome. especially you. Thank you. Um, for those who don't know, let's get straight into, let's get straight to it. He is a TFC Ultra, and all those who know me, I'm a very bit passionate supporter of CF Montreal, or back then Impact Montreal, or just anything Montreal. And, uh, and so on paper, we should be enemies, but in fact, this man I owe a lot. He hooked me up with a ticket to the Canada versus Jamaica game, and it was a beautiful thing that at the end of the day, we're all Canadian, so, and we all love the same national team. But speaking of which, first question, did you ever think the national team would ever qualify for the World Cup, the men's national team? <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, no, and like, and I'll be honest, like, like uh, I, I, I talked about it on on the Just Offside podcast. Mm. Like, I was I was sitting at a bar on at Charles and Young, uh, like in downtown Toronto, that when we walked. When we when we lost that game, I skipped a, a midterm and failed the course at university <laughs> to 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 do that because like in my mind that was more important. Yeah. And like, oh man, I'm so happy I did. <laughs> it, all these years later, and like and like I I had no hope, but I kept doing it because um, like I guess I'm a little bit of a hipster and and you know I just wanted to do something that was like nobody else was doing. Uh, I'm a, I'm a romantic uh, as a, you mm. know, the second part of that, because like, I just, I love lost causes and romantic and, and losing uh, romantically. Yeah. And, and three, I'm, I'm a loyal, I, I try to be a loyal person. You know what I mean? And, and uh, it, like, you know, that's my team. I, I'm, I, you know, everybody's a hyphenated Canadian, but I'm a fourth K fourth generation Canadian. Oh. Um, you know, fourth generation Torontonian. My, my great grandfather moved here from, from Minsk. Uh, Whoa, and, okay. and so in like 1883, so like, <laughs> like, you know, Canada is my team. People are like, Oh, like what? Like you support, you support Israel, you support, uh, you know, Italy. Cause I like, I go to Italy a lot. No, like, yeah, I support Canada. Like this is where <laughs> I support them in hockey. I support them in, in, in football. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Um, it's funny because for me growing up, I was always watching the Korea games. Like to me, it was always Korea, Korea, Korea when it comes to World Cup because the idea, maybe some people say, I was like, oh, you also grew up in Quebec. But I'm like, yeah, maybe there's a layer to that. But at the same time, it's like, well, Canada wasn't showing anything at footballing, at footballing terms. Like right? Korea was always there. And at least I had a, a seat at a table in those conversations. But what I like now is that, um, even I mean, especially the Italian fans now, they're they're just they're just depressed. <laughs> like they're just really depressed. But like uh I, I feel bad for them, you know, yeah, like a little bit. My neighborhood is gonna be fifty percent less of a party during the World Cup. Oh, so that's boring. Isn't it, is it but like as much as we love to trash talk Italian fans because it's easy to do, but without them it's not as much fun. Cause it's like yeah. I remember well, So where where do you live in Montreal? You're you're in on uh, Saint Laurent? 
No. Okay. <laughs> so the diary cast coming to Saint Laurent done and it has nothing to do with where I live. I, I think because they just love how Saint Laurent sounds like. So they're like, oh, that's so that's so cold. Which I mean, fair enough. But uh, I live in La Salle, which is in the most southern. Okay, part. I know, I know La Salle. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, you used to live in Montreal, right? Because you, you're yeah, here. I lived I lived at the corner of Duluth and De Bouillon, just like two blocks off. Yeah. Of and my grand, and my, so my my mom's from Montreal. So my grandfather, uh-huh. yeah, who was li- who you know lived and died in Cote St. Luke, but he grew oh. up on the Esplanade, like just, just like uh, north of Mount Royal. He nice. said, like, what are you, what are you spending? And this is in 2007. And I'm spending like 425 a month on, on rent, uh, you know? And he's like, what <laughs> those are you days are gone. Those days are yeah. gone, by the way. <laughs> and, and he's like, what are you spending this much on, on, on rent in, in this like slum of a neighborhood? Like I grew <laughs> up here. Like, why do you think I left? Like, why don't you spend the same amount in Cote St. Luke and have a whole house? I was like, yeah, you just don't count it, Zane. You know, I I was around the corner from Schwartz's, so I was eating there four days a week. You know, and like <laughs> skipping, well, not skipping class anymore at that. Well, at that point, I hadn't discovered TFC yet. Yeah. Uh, but but I was I was like going up to Walensky's, you know, a couple times a week to yeah, have man. lunch up there. So like, I'm part Montrealer as well to sort of like get that part out of the out of the, out of the podcast early. Like my mom's from Montreal. That's cool. My grandmother's still there. Like I went to Concordia for three years. Oh, we're yeah, like I've, 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 I've been like spending half my life in Montreal my whole life. So, so that like we'll we'll touch on that later because I know that you want to <laughs> you want to like dig into that uh, later on. But, but yeah, like I'm I consider myself a part Montrealer and everything except for hockey and TFC. Yeah, I think um, it, no, you know what? Like for me, it's similar because like on my dad's side, almost all of them live in Toronto. So I've been going to Toronto when I was like a kid every summer or every winter. But yeah. like every time I go, I just like, I think as a kid, I hated going to Toronto because I was like, it's too big. It's too crazy. It's too much. But now as an adult with more confidence, I'm like, oh, this is a lot of fun. This is a great yeah. thing. And I grew up, so I grew up at Christie and DuPont, which is just north of Little Korea. So I don't know if they lived, if they were there or in Markham, but like, yeah. Like that's the cool thing about, and Montreal has a very similar thing, not, not to the same extent because it's just smaller, but like. Toronto, you can literally eat your way across the world while yes. you, while you travel across the city, which is like the the super fun thing about being here. Yes, that's that's uh, when me and my friends we go, we always go out and get Asian food, and we just like we we come we come back to Montreal ten pounds to the like heavier. Yeah, it's just it's fantastic. But yeah, like okay, so it's cool. So you have a strong Montreal foundation, and you were in Montreal. What I would say, like at its most fun and craziest time. Like I was still very much younger, but like I remember those days, it were wild days. The city was completely different. Yeah. Uh, now the city's a little softer, but I guess for the better. We'll see. Gen- the older you get, the the more you agree with gentrification. It's, <laughs> it's scary. I catch myself slipping sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but okay, so uh your position as a TFC Ultra, the one thing I do want to say that I found super inspiring and impressive is that. When I was at the Jamaica game, watching you just singing and losing your voice and just coordinating everything was was incredible. It was so much fun. It was like I had so much fun watching you do that and just, you know, just being an ultra <laughs> and then like leading everything with the drums and also watching the game. So how did you fall into that position with TFC or with Canada? Uh, I just sort of started doing it. Like I think... Huh. It was in 2014. Okay. And and Bobby Brizzo from from uh, uh, U Sector wasn't like hadn't been around for a couple of games and mm-hmm. there'd been nobody in the capo stand. So I just sort of hopped in 
And I had already always like sort of had an eye for it. Like I was the lead singer and songwriter in my band in high school. Oh, okay. I, I had I had done Second City improv classes for years. Oh no way! Yeah, so like I, I was like in high school, I was like a, a theater kid, right? Like, I was like a drama kid <laughs> That's really because cool. it got me out of class. I was the head of stage crew and shit, and I directed plays and stuff. So like uh-huh. part of it, a part, like the performative part of it, I I like I I get instinctually, mm. and it's the same thing as as what I said on on uh, the the just off side pod is that like it, the stadium combines my three favorite things, which is which is like a political protest, a punk rock concert, and sporting event. <laughs> yeah. So it was just sort of like, sort of the first time I, I really understood, like it all clicked for me. I was just like, ah, this is, this is what I'm meant to do. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's the thing in life that brings me the, the most, the most pleasure, the most joy. Um, it, and it's, it, it's fun to, to get up there and, and to do it and, and like, you know, be the center of the, of attention, but it's, a, it's like a privilege to do it as well. You know what That's I mean? Cool. It's, it's, and it's a privilege to, especially with the Canada fans to, to, to get to like lead them in the stadium. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't know how I fell into it. One day I just sort of woke up and I was like in the capo stadium. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's how all the great stories starts, right? You just, it just sort of happens. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, you become the thing. Okay. But I got to ask this question because they they sing this all the time on the Derby cast and it's driving me crazy. Did you write this song, the Lolo 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 Montreal? Despacito, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so I can't I can't take full credit for that one. That was uh, Lobo and I think Adamo, um, two of two of the Inebriati guys. Okay. Because I've been working on it. And my problem is that like especially when I when I'm taking from like the the South American songs, like I. I yeah. take a lot from the San Lorenzo. Uh, oh, great club, great club. Yeah, like they—they they just have. I love their songs. So, I I write like a South American, and I just like my songs are super wordy, super wordy. So I had like a very wordy version, oh. uh, and the guys had sort of been able to distill it into something that you know you can get a bunch of drunk people to to remember <laughs> and sing. Um, Smart. Yeah. So that that's how that came about. So um, that being said, uh, fuck you, because that's <laughs> <laughs> cheers. <laughs> that song has ruined like every Darby Cast episode because every time Tag loves to sing it, <laughs> he loves to sing it, and I'm just like, I I don't know what because Macho, we don't even have a song. Oh, actually, another question. This is my favorite TFC song because I find it hilarious. What? Did, did you write the Tic Tac Tabernacle? Who the fuck's the impact? No, that one's before my time. Okay, that's that hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one's that. That's why it stood the test of time. You know, fifteen years <laughs> later, it's still one of our favorites. And like sometimes we'll just sing it in the stadium when when we're not even playing, you guys, just because we love it so much. <laughs> like that's the one song that I find genuinely funny. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. That's a really good. One. Oh, and it, there's like a double entendre to it now as well. Now that like you guys are CF Montreal, right? that's it. So it's it's <laughs> and 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 we know how much. Like most of the like the real fans really hate the rebrand and the name change and like yes, re- yes. It's like I gotta say this as well like respect to UMO too and and those guys for for you know having big balls and boycotting the team mm. over. Um, yeah. so so you know you gotta give them their flowers where it's due, um, but um, yeah like like that the pleasure that I get out of it now that the name has changed is is like doubly so as well. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's um i don't know i just i just find that song really funny um yeah 
Oh, we have a bunch of anti-Montreal ones. They just uh, they they turn down the volume on the TV broadcast. When we yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like I uh, I can't think of any anti-Toronto songs. Maybe because I'm just not paying attention. Because sometimes in a game, like I know all the Montreal songs, but like yeah. uh, for whatever reason, whenever Toronto comes into Montreal, I always end up missing half those games because I'm either traveling or what whatnot or I had something to do. But the few times I don't hear a lot of I don't I don't recall the ultras coming up with anti-TFC songs, and I'm like. Come up with something like I need something to hit Nagotago with. <laughs> it's really annoying. there's there's the problem is that there's not much that rhymes with Toronto, like <laughs> yeah. like Toronto home blown go like like yeah. Say, it's the same problem with Canada. Canada is like a hard word to rhyme with. Ah. Uh, Montreal is there, there's there's a whole host of options that you have there. Mm. Ball ball gall ah. Uh. You know, like, like, and that's, I'm stoned and I'm just fucking freestyling here. So uh, it's like, maybe that's like a natural protection, right? Like, yeah, that's like, that's like our armor. But um, I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that you guys take the Derby less seriously um, because okay. like, obviously the, the events from last summer show that there's at least like a certain, there's a certain faction within the Montreal fans the Montreal ultras that ultras that that do take it seriously. Yes. Um at least outside of the stadium. Yes. Uh it's it's a shame that that you know they 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 can't do it inside the stadium. Yeah. Uh what I could as well. Yeah, like I mean that 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 ultra being that ultra group being the 2002 definitely when they stopped coming to games the atmosphere in the stadium definitely changed. I love the 1642 cuz that's where the bells at. And I kind of love. Oh, I hate the bell so fucking. Much. I love the bell so much. It. It's a beautiful thing. Deal with it. You want, but you want to hear a dirty secret about that bell? Yeah. Um, it's not made in Quebec. It's made in Philadelphia. Zutalo. <laughs> Zutalo. <laughs> That's a dirty secret. Um, which I probably shouldn't have disclosed to you, but whatever. It, it's public info out there, so whatever. Well, it makes sense. Philadelphia is known for making bells, so. I mean, Philadelphia Union. Is it a bell on there? No, no. Uh, that's where the Liberty Bell is. There you go. Which, anyway, it's still symbolic of Montreal. You've heard those church bells a million times over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, um, I, I think the Toronto games, I don't want to say they died down. I think what didn't help was the team was just, especially with last year, it just went through such a slump. Last year and the year yeah. before, it went through a slump so that fighting against Toronto just didn't feel the same anymore, especially when Toronto was such consistent uh, contenders. It's, Maybe- it's it's hard to also to get to get up for, for anything when you're at war with your club, right? Like, yeah. you know, like it's hard to, 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 to support your team or, or want to like, you know, in a certain regard, provide them with like marketing material. Um, when when you feel that they're 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 doing you dirty, and like we're we're you know in a similar conundrum over here, not not as big of an ex- an existential scale, but but you know it, it, it we are having these discussions where it's like okay, like where is the point where where we decide to to say you know fuck it, yeah. Yeah, I really hope it doesn't get to that because that's what makes a sport unique is really the ultras who bring that atmosphere. Like even the regular fans in Saputo Stadium miss that contingency of the ultras who are the most vocal. Like I said, I love 1642 and I love what they're about and I love their spirit, but you need that. But they don't have the same mentality, right? Like it's they're, 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 and, and I don't think anybody will, 
uh, disagree with me or be upset with me at this point if I say they're more sort of like the Red Patch Boys or maybe the Kings of the North of of Montreal, right? Yeah, like, I think. Oh, yeah, like they're 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 you know <laughs> kind of a little bit friendlier. You know what I mean? Like That's a, nice a, a little bit more laid back. They are um, about yeah, yeah. it. Um, so so. Whereas with with, with UMO two or the the guys on the other end of the stadium, it, it, there was always more more tension. Yeah, there was more tension, and it's just it was palpable. Yeah. Like um, whenever they do the the E M P ah, it's like the entire stadium just reverberates, and it's I I I get goosebumps. So I definitely miss them. But I think if I if if I got this correct, I think the rumors have it is that they're trying to bring them back into the stadium. Uh, there might need to be a compromise or they might just give away that stand to to other fans. I don't know. Everything's still very much up in the air with that group. Yeah. I hope for the best, but uh, kind of shifting gears. I am curious about this though. Um, you seem to have a very close relationship with a lot of the players on TFC, like Jonathan Osorio, Richie Larea when he was back in TFC. Like, and seeing them you know, go to the World Cup and knowing them personally, like, and being Toronto boys, like, how does that make you feel knowing that these are guys that you not only know personally, but kind of represent you in some ways? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely representing us. Like, they they are us, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I'm, uh, to, to use a Yiddish term, like, I'm shepping nachis, right? Like, like okay. I'm like, I feel like I'm a proud a proud mom, like sort of just like <laughs> falling over, over the kids. Right. Like yeah. I tell everybody, Oh yeah, these guys are fucking going to the world cup. Like yeah. the real deal. It's it, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly proud. Um, you know, somewhat surprised, but, but not entirely surprised. Like we always knew that these guys were talented and that they had a lot of grit and heart. Um, I'm surprised at how quickly John Herbin was able to put it all together and how yes. quickly he was able to, to like build a, a belief in a mentality. And like, if that guy wasn't managing football, I'd be worried that he he's a cult leader. Cause I, he, he's that good. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but it, it means an incredible amount to us uh, because they are us, right? Like, yeah. like, there are guys that have grown up in Toronto, grown up in, in, in the GTA that, that have played in the, like, Ashton Morgan. I mean, he's not currently on 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 the national team or, mm -hmm. or starting or playing for them, but you know, like he played for York Jets. That's that's a a club that I've coached at. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? We yeah. sponsored Inebriati sp sponsored uh, the the U fourteen kids one uh, a couple of years oh, uh, wow. because because my buddy Motto was managing them, was coaching them as well. So it's it's like it, it's it's incredibly powerful and moving for me to see like local kids who are products of the local, uh, you know, club system now be playing on, on the world stage on the world's biggest stage. Like, yeah. Holy fucking shit. I, I didn't think I'd see it at, at this point in my life. Right. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty damn exciting. And I'm, and I'm very proud. Yeah, Very proud. Like I remember just thinking to myself. I remember talking to my cousin who I it was the day before the Toronto game. I mean, the sorry, the Montreal, Montreal, the the Canada versus Jamaica game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was having drinks with my cousin who is a big Raptors fan, and he's not. He's like he respects what soccer is becoming or football has become in the country and the global popularity it has. And he was like, 
he asked me a question. He's like, how many people from Toronto play on a team? I was like, like 70% of the team. Like, you know, I started naming them. I was like, you know, Kamal Miller, who plays in Montreal, is from the GTA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tejan Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Um, Rampton Boy as well. That's it. And then Donnell Henry. And uh, Atiba. Gloria, Atiba, Jonathan Osorio. I was like, dude, like, I, or even um, Melan Borian, who is from Hamilton, but still. Like, yeah, it, Southwestern Ontario. Uh, uh, well, I'll take, I'll take Milan. Oh, he's, and and he's 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 boys with like uh, my Serbian buddies with like the Delier Toronto guys. Oh, that's awesome, Ontario guys. So like whenever he comes here for a national game, they always like are able to like link up with him and shit. So like he's <laughs> he's fun. definitely one of us. Yeah, if he wasn't playing, if he wasn't a professional footballer, he'd be he'd be uh, at, at Flamingos on on the and uh, on the West End of Toronto watching Red Star games with the boys. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like it's just I was telling him like. These are all dudes with different ethnic backgrounds and different stories, but that's the most Canadian thing about them is that this is why I'm so inspired by this team. I was like, I see myself in this team. You know, yeah. we all have that story of like, we, you know, we're immigrants or immigrant parents or like, as like someone yourself was fourth generation that we've all come to this country and love and adopted. And now we, you know, again, John, John Herman. He is definitely a cult leader at this point. Uh, he deserves a statue somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think him and honestly, him and Klopp could start a cult, and no one would, well, no one would like be concerned about it whatsoever. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. It's, he's he's he like I really hope that we can figure out a way to to keep him as well. Yes, and keep him for twenty twenty six because I feel like if if we can if we can go to Qatar and and do a job i don't expect i i'm hopeful you know and and football is about dreaming yes i don't want to lose all three games i don't want to do what we've done in 86 and like go through all three games and not score a goal like yeah even even if we lose all three games if we put up a good fight and we show you know and it, it comes down to like you know bad bad calls or or you know just the luck of the football gods you know like yeah we've we played well then, then I can I can be happy with that because I know that 2026 is around the corner now and yeah. and and I'm I'm excited to 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 see how we're going to build on that. I just don't want to go and play three games and not score a goal. Like and I that's that I, I, as a Spurs fan, you know, like <laughs> bottling it at at the at the <laughs> the worst possible moment is like. It's it's always there in my mind, and not even at the back of my mind. It's like the front of my mind. It's like this is something's gonna go wrong. It's. <laughs> I forgot. Why do, you think, why do you think they're called the Yids? It's it's the Jewish club. We're all neurotic. <laughs> I forget. Yeah, they're in the yeah they're in North. Like yeah, I forget they were they're a Jewish club. Like, uh, but it's just on Jewish yeah. heritage. But it was funny because like um, uh, I think I know. I think Canada will score. I think there's just too much talent for it for it to not happen. We're gonna score. It's our back line that I'm a little bit more worried about, and that's yeah. no slight on those guys. Yeah, but like, but like, the, the 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 going forward, I have very very few concerns. I think we can ball with the best of them. Yeah. Fonzie, Fonzie had fucking Leo Messi in his pocket for ninety minutes <laughs> in the burnabout. You know what I yeah. mean? Like we we've all seen that, so we know we know what we're we're capable of going forward. It's it's can can we put in a shift? Um, on the back end because uh, Vittoria is getting older. Yeah. Atiba can play back there, but he's also getting older and that's not his ideal position. Yeah. Daniil is, is a monster and I love him forever, but he also plays on the edge. Yeah. And when you play on the edge, it like, you know, sometimes, yeah. 
and I love him for it. And I don't want him to ever not play like that because I, I love it. But that's also something that I accept is going to happen. So we, we know that we have these, these potential exposures, right? Alistair Johnson is great. He's a, he's going to be fantastic, but he's also super young. Same yes. thing with Scott Kennedy, you know? Yes. So, so it, it, it's, it, the talent is there. It's just like, you know, have we, have we, sort of like sped up this development process so fast that that you know like we're gonna get there and we're just gonna be embarrassed i don't i i see what you mean and i think it's a valid point i think just like you i'm an optimist and a romantic and i like i i love the back three of Aster johnson kamal miller and sam atakubi i think it's a disgusting oh yeah that's fun that's fun it's just i think it's a matter of if they're gonna play a four back or a three back with the wing backs, it's like who's gonna slot into those empty spots? Like I like Victoria, but as you said, not as quick as let's say as Kamal Miller or let's. I mean, we're playing Belgium our first game. Like that's yeah. And then you look at Belgium's back line of like Toby Alderweireld and John Vertonghen. <laughs> it's like I don't think well, those are like two of the the best center backs in the world currently but then, active. But then they they lost their edge too. Like they're a little slower. They're they're getting older as well. Yeah. And also, yeah. So that's that's my hope. My okay. This this is my prediction. I'll ask you uh, afterwards. I think we'll lose to Belgium, but respectfully. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think we'll tie with Croatia because I think Croatia's like dominance is sort of it's peaked already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not the same team as they were before, but they're still very dangerous, you know. Uh, so I, that's why I feel like we'll draw, and I think we could beat Morocco. Morocco had, I mean, they had a good qualifiers, but I don't know something without Hakim Ziyech. I just don't think they'll they'll manage. Uh, so we'll see. I'm hoping that would that would be a good enough result to make it through. That's that's the logical that's the logical sort of uh, path that I think that everybody sees. Yes, I, I I it makes sense to me, but I I also warn everybody not to sleep on Morocco because they're yeah. a very very good team. Yes, uh, and and they've been playing football a lot longer than us, and that kind yeah. of counts for something, right? Like. What's exciting about the Canadian project right now, not to get off on another tangent, yeah, yeah. is that we're at the very beginning of our footballing tradition now, where this is really sort of like where it starts. Um, Morocco is like building on about 100 years of of tradition. Like there's right. just like a footballing intelligence and and fluency there that that I, I worry that we don't have. But also like what what the fuck do I know? Because no, no, but like, that's a the, good point. the players the players believe this is just me thinking that things are gonna go tits up because again, I'm a Spurs fan and <laughs> and, and and I'm a Maple Leaf, a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So, ah, like, loser. Yeah, exactly. Like I uh, like I know about bottling it. Like my whole life has been, and that's why I chose Spurs, right? Like I was like, oh, these guys are like the Leafs. Like they fuck it up. Like I get that. Like I like pain. <laughs> I mean, do you, I mean, I remember, okay, that seems a Leicester City one. I remember thinking Eden Hazard hadn't scored a goal all season. Then he scores that crazy top right banger oh. to effectively knock out Tottenham out of the, the title race. So giving it to Leicester City. I remember yeah. watching that. I was like, what poetic justice in a weird way for like Hazard had scored a goal all game uh, all season and that was the goal he scores to knock out Tottenham. I remember just thinking to myself like you can't write this. You really yeah that's that's fun. It's it's funny that like you say that because that would happen to 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 toss him <laughs> especially like it, it it I would rem- I didn't remember that until actually you brought that up. And, and the reason why is because it didn't happen in in the match 
against Spurs. Like everybody remembers the battle at the bridge. Right. Um, but but like we don't remember that, that that was the goal that technically, you know, like like put the title out of reach. That's it. Um I actually blame I like and and that goal wouldn't have mattered if we had, if if we hadn't lost our head at the bridge. And mm. I saw so I saw a tweet today or not a tweet, something on Instagram went straight offside. The fuck is my phone? But I, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, but it said, yeah. uh, it said, uh, I hate it when I'm watching 22 grown men uh, brawl on a football pitch and, and the commentator says, oh, you hate to see this. This isn't what anybody likes to see. Oh. No, you're wrong. I love to see this. This is exactly what I paid for. <laughs> like, like I, I loved every minute of that because I'm, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm, People are, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I'm like not necessarily there to see the beautiful game played beautifully. I'm there. I'm there for the passion, right? Uh, like okay. that's okay. why. That's why. That's why the South End. That's why supporter culture, you know, drew me in. It's 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 the hmm. the match being played on the field is like football, but but football, and I I attribute this to my buddy Ollie, and Ollie also like he and his buddies. Another tangent. Um, yes, go, go. Uh, uh, saved his their local club Telford in in the UK uh, from from bankruptcy and and going into administration. They organized like oh. a basically like a fan like go fund yourself or, or go fund me. Um, uh, and they like saved the team and ran the team for like three four years. That's well. awesome. So, like That's really this cool. is a guy that understands like grassroots football, community football. Wow. Football is is like the game that's played on the pitch, but Football, yes. the greater football is everything else that goes on around it. And the game is it. almost, it doesn't matter, right? Like we, and it's, and it's true, right? Like we go every week and like, and like during a war in Russia, during a pandemic, you know, like we will, the, we go to the football and, 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 and it doesn't really matter whether your team wins or loses. It, it matters more that you're there. I love that. Yeah. You see, that's the one thing I've always loved about the beautiful game. I was like, I always told people, I was like, it's not just the sport. The sport itself is entertaining. It's fun. Like when you. Yeah, I love but, it. But if you grew, if you are surrounded by people who genuinely love the game and love the culture, they'll tell you. I always ask, I remember the pandemic, I asked all my friends, if you have to choose uh, giving up playing the game or giving up watching, they'll say, well, I'll give up watching. I'll play it. Because at the end of the day, we're football. Like we could do it ourselves. You don't need to watch. 11 other grown men do it professionally. We could do it ourselves. You, you need, you need a ball. You're That's not it. even a ball. You need something that you can kick. Like, give me a can. You know, you, you can. exactly. You can play football with a can. It, it is the working man's or the working people's uh, game. Right. Yes. And that's why I, I have such a fucking huge problem with Qatar uh, hosting mm. the world cup. Like I'm yes. And like, you know, Russia's also fucked up too. And, and like, listen, you could have an issue with with North America hosting hosting the World Cup because we're colonial settlers and we're yeah. hosting games on stolen land. Yeah. Like, yes, I agree with all of that. But like in the here and now is, and look, we should get to all of that. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't, but like yeah, yeah. in here and now, like like we're going to go to a World Cup that shouldn't be where it is, and it shouldn't be where it is in such a bad fucking way that we actually have to hold it in the winter as opposed to traditionally when it is in the summer. summer. We're changing, and I said this in the on on the just offside pod as well. Like, yeah, we're changing the fucking laws, you know, religious laws of this country to allow for drinking. Um, <laughs> like, like uh, all of this is going on, and yeah. and, and and they're using they're, they're 
essentially using slave labor to build this, the infrastructure in the stadiums. Yeah. Where it is. And, and something like 8,500 people have died in the last, what, four or five years trying to, uh, building these, these stadiums and building, building the, this infrastructure. So you have that to begin with. And then it's this is going to be the most expensive World Cup to get to and to enjoy, like it there in person. Like, no, the football is not Formula One. Yes. You know, like I don't want to see the World Cup ever played in Monaco. I'm so I, well, you know, if they, they're playing again in France, you know, like yeah, that's but like <laughs> yeah. like you know what I mean. Like I it should even, yeah. football should be accessible. The point of the World Cup should be able to to for football fans of every fucking stripe, shape, and color to be able to get together and 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 enjoy football together, and not even necessarily go to your team's game, but like watch it and watch it with fans from other teams and the te- fans with the, from the teams that you're playing against. Like it's it's. That's the beautiful part of the beautiful game. Yeah, and like, and yeah, I'm 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 getting drunk and I'm getting angry about. No, it, so. <laughs> let me throw some shade. No, that's good, <laughs> buddy. What are you drinking? So Pam picked up this Lambrusco from this place called Paradise Grapevine or Grape Crush or something. It's yeah. it's it's kind of like a rosé. Like a I I like Chianti's and shit, but mm. like it's pretty nice. It's got some like bubbling to it as well. Like, okay. I'm 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 a pleb. Pam is is the one with culture. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I mean, you speak of that. I'm drinking Canadian Club, so like <laughs> <laughs> classic. No, it's classic. <laughs> no, like I'm a whiskey nerd. It's a Canadian Club. Like I abhor it. I don't like it at all. But it's like my it's a go to cheap one that was just available at my house lying around. I'm like uh, whatever. I'll drink I'll drink Canadian Club before I drink like a Jack Daniels. Yeah, um, I'm done. But with I I am a big fan of of Kentucky bourbon. Same, but but for me like. It, it's it's um got to be like a nice peaty scotch. Yeah, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with scotch. Like for me, uh, bourbons are my favorite go to. When it comes to scotch, it's uh I got this bottle once called Dalmore Fifteen, and it's oh so good. Yeah, everyone thought we're you're here for a soccer podcast. There's more to it. There is more no. To we can that. we can talk about whiskeys. I'm all about that Japanese whiskey as well. Yes. So yes. Um. I like yeah. Like but again. The world doesn't need another white dude making a podcast. So, so <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 leave the internet. Yeah, you know, I'll leave that white noise off the internet. <laughs> but yeah, so um, but like to your point about football bringing people together, like I said, it was uh, I think I, I don't know if I said this. Did I say this on the on air? Anyway, off air, I said basically when you got me those tickets, I told the Derby fam that I wasn't going to the game. Any, uh, initially, I went to Toronto. Just to meet up with all the Derby Derby people, and then you reached out to me, say, "Hey, are you going to the game?" I said, "No," and then you said, "Here are some tickets," and I am again very grateful. And I told the Derby fam, and then they, and then AK, pretty much put a GIF of uh, straight out of Compton scene where a Blood and Crypt, Blood and Crypt put a bandana together and waved it to the cops. He's like, "This is you guys right now." He <laughs> colors are appropriate. It, it made sense, but that's the beautiful game is that perhaps like. Um, and obviously, as rivaling fans, we would, you know, we would banter. But when it comes to Canada, we're we're on we're on the same team, same boat. Yeah, and in Canada, we're unburdened by by a century uh, or centuries of of <laughs> like ethnic and religious conflict that that also inform your your football loyalties, right? Like, yeah. um, although I would push back on that. Uh, I didn't want me to cut you off. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I only I'll, I'll tell you from like a Montreal Quebecois perspective. Obviously, you definitely noticed. But like, um, yeah. 
I think that those tensions of English and French, Catholic and Protestant is, I feel like it's stronger here than it is yes. in the rest of the country. Yes, much I, much more so in Quebec. That, yeah. And that's, that's palpable in Quebec, but it doesn't register, I think, so much in the rest of Canada. Yes. Like if you ask a Vancouver fan or, or the average Toronto fan, like they'd be like, no, like, and it's, it's true. Like I, 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 I didn't say this actually, Brucey from U Sector, who now works for for Canada Soccer, shout out Brucey and Liz in, in Ottawa. Mm. Um, the, uh, he said like to me years ago, he's like, "You and I have more in common with each other than any other Toronto sports fan." You know, like like we have to stick, we have to stick with each other and back each other up. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and that's that's really it. Like. I love the Derby. Like I absolutely love the Formula One it. Derby. Like it's it's and and like part of it is that I love to go to Montreal and party and go to Majestique and go to Beba and, <laughs> and like and and you know all the you good know, spots, man. You know all the yeah, good yeah, spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like go see my family, see my friends and stuff. So yeah. like like but again, like I don't I don't go there looking for a fight. I go there no, like, of course. To, for ninety minutes to to sing about how much I hate Montreal, <laughs> and then afterwards go have some Schwartzes and go like hang out on the main or hang out in, yeah. in Utremont or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it like it, I have more in common with, with, you know, my boy Ari, who's, who's like a Montreal fan and like a Montreal ultra than I do with, with, you know, a, a Toronto, your average Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Right. Or, or average Toronto Raptors fan, because for them, they're just consuming a product that, that that's there for them. Mm. But for, you know, you're, you're, and you know this as well. And, and it's why what you guys are doing with Derby cast, uh, well, with Derby in general is so important. And, 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 and like what Keith and Mike are doing with, with the Just Enough Side Pod is, shout is out so, to them. yeah, is so huge. Shout out is so important is because we have to be the ones that build this culture, that build these traditions. Yes, I agree. You know, there's, there's, we, ha we have a hundred years of hockey traditions and, and hockey history. And hockey rivalries and and and, and you know Anglo Franco rivalries here in Canada. Yeah, but we also haven't really fought a war here. Maybe since eighteen forty eight, when we had yeah. when we had some uprisings that kind of failed. You know, or the yeah. Red River Rebellion. You know, like right. like we had we didn't live through World War Two. We didn't live through the breakup of the Soviet Union, like the Balkan War, right. and like the inquisition right like yeah. some of these rivalries between teams like you if you want to track it back like between protestant and catholic teams like that goes back to the inquisition mm. um so it's it's we don't have that same sort of hatred built into these relationships here so yeah for 90 minutes you guys are are my enemy quote unquote yeah but after that we're building the same project here we have to collaborate we have to yeah. work together um, because if we don't, then we're never going to be able to do our end of the bargain and grow football here because the players are now it's on us to grow it as fans. I agree. I totally agree. Cause like, you know, despite the fact that Tugwa is a Toronto fan or AK is a Toronto fan as well. Like I love those. I love those guys to death because for the exact same reasons that you said is that, you know, we're all football fans at the end of the day and we all want to see this thing grow. We want to build a culture, a footballing culture within Canada and it's mm -hmm. happening and it's, it's, I say it's a beautiful thing. And also my non-football friends, my non-soccer friends in Montreal are asking me all these questions about the national team. What's happening? Like, is Canada actually this good? I'm like, yes. 
Because yo, Montreal, get involved. Quebec, get involved. Like yes, oh, we need. Yes. There, there was a small contingent of of Montreal guys here in 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 Toronto for the Jamaica game. We need more of you guys, and and yes. the team needs to play in Quebec, and that's on the CSA. But like, you guys have to fucking show up. That's the thing. It's it's I mean, we we can go down the go down this uh, this route. It's if you guys want to hold another fucking referendum and separate from Canada, go ahead and do it. For the time being, <laughs> you're fucking here. You've got boys from Quebec playing on the team. Come out and support local soccer. Yeah. And you could fucking turn your back and kneel or whatever you want for the anthem. Like, I don't particularly like singing the anthem either. I have, like, I'm a socialist, so I have some, like... Yeah, you have your own... You know, I have my own thoughts about, like, military and nationalistic jingoism at sporting events. Yeah. Uh, but But, like, yeah, like... We have to we have to grow the culture here and and like the national team is for better or for worse part of that. I think, um, but I think with the uh, Quebec always moves slower than the rest of the country when it comes to stuff like this. When it comes to development, yeah, yeah. It, it'll get there. It'll get there. It's just um, I think the media, the Quebec media, needs to show a little bit of love, and I think it's starting to do that now because what Quebec is will support. We'll support what's happening. What success is proven, and now it's being proven. So they're like classic, oh. classic Habs fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a Habs game this week, and I was just like, I was so disappointed what I saw. But <laughs> it was it was the first time I went to Bell Center seeing that many empty seats. I've never seen that before in my life. And- so, but I I respect Habs fans for that, right? Because I I remember when I was in my, living in Montreal. I'm a CBC guy. I just have the CBC mm. radio on all day in the background. Right. And and so the I noticed instantly the difference between like the callers and what people were saying on like on like their call shows. Every show revolved around the Habs and how they were doing. And everybody like if the team wasn't doing well, everybody was calling in angry about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, guy, we've sucked for 45, 50 years. Like like nobody's calling into radio stations in Toronto complaining about it, but it's all anybody spoke to. And I fucking love it. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, and that's like Toronto fans are too complacent. We're, we're just like it. And it's the North American fan in general. And, and anybody who's, who spent, you know, 15 minutes with me at the cafe after a game has heard me rant about this, but like in <laughs> North America, we're, we're con- at a sporting event. You're meant to be a consumer. Yes. To go there and buy the merchandise and buy the concessions yes. and sit in your seat politely and eat your food and and like politely clap when the yeah. team makes a, makes a point. Oh, no, good, Montreal, good. Montreal fans are not like that at all. I, no, and I fucking love it. And the rest of the the country needs to get on the Montreal fans' level. Like a typical Montreal fan, I can describe is basically we are we're suspicious optimists. I think is a good word. Like, we want to love you. We want to support you. But you got to give it back to us. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's almost similar to, I guess, most European football fans who are like, we'll come to the games. But if you're shit, we're not coming back. Yeah, we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll let yeah. you know. Like, like when I want as, to. But as it should be, right? As it like, should be. And, and looking at it from a North American model, like, you are the customers. If they're giving you a shitty product, you don't go back and ask for more and be like, yes. hey, by the way, could you raise the prices on us? Like- <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. It's like it's um. For example, when I went to the Habs game, uh, shout out to Ketsia. She she was able. She got two tickets, and we went together. Oh, so that's how you scored them? Yeah. So uh, we went, and then I remember we sat in the bleachers, which was my first time sitting in bleachers because I have like, let's call it privileged friends who able, who always get like these amazing tickets. So I always go with them. Yeah, and this is the first time I sat with the bleachers with the real fans. Yeah, the ones who haven't been priced out. 
hilarious because they were talking shit all game. So much fun to listen to. Everyone's completely bilingual. So they're talking shit in both languages, which is hilarious. And they're making like valid points. They're like, what are we watching? Like that was pretty much it. They're like, what are we watching? And like, what is this? And even when you go to CF Montreal games, like whenever someone makes a bad pass, the entire stadium just goes, what are you doing? Like, oh. like, like it's just like, there's this anger and frustration, which like, sometimes I'm like, oh, let's go easy on these guys. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is what we expect. We expect better. Like if we're going to pay this much, which is not for a CF Montreal games, is really not that much compared to other, other franchises. But still, like it's a, you know, we want to see success. We want to, we want to love you and you're not making it easy for us. I think that's yeah. really the thing. But that's, and that's where I would argue that that being a supporter of your team isn't about the success, right? Like it's mm. about it's it's about sticking with it, even though they continue to hurt you. Yes, and like I don't want anybody to think that I'm like advocating for for like staying in a toxic relationship. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's kind of what it's like, right? Like you keep hurting me. Yeah. But like, I just, I, I'll never leave you. I love you. You love me. Like, yeah. Like, next year, every next season will be our year. Like everything mm. will be all right. Like, like, but that's, that's again, that goes back to like what I said about football, not being about the actual football, the, the results on the pitch don't fucking matter. Yeah. We're still going to be singing in, in the South end. We're still going to be supporting. And it goes back to what you said earlier. And the question you asked me earlier about like, how much does it mean for me to me to, to have like, local Toronto boys that I know on the national squad, it means everything. Yeah. Because if football, if football means anything on the pitch, it's the guys who are, who are wearing the crest. That's the thing. Representing you as the fans. And That's, we happen to have a very fucking good bunch of guys on the Canadian. hundred percent. But that's the thing. When I, when I see someone like Jonathan Osorio, I could tell he's an actual TFC fan. And it's like, it's kind of like one of us emerge out of the stands to play on the pitch. That's what I get out of him. Same with Montreal. He's living the dream. That's it. And that's how I feel about when I see someone like Samuel Piet or even Maxime Crepeau at LAFC. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. kind of like one of us who made it out there, you know? Love love that move for him as well. I think that's oh, a great move. Yeah. I, I, when he went to LAFC, I'm like, God damn, that's a really good move for him, yeah. for LA. Great move. Good. I, I'm just really happy about that. But um, but yeah, even with Ismail Kone coming out of uh, the CMI show. Yeah, he's super exciting. Very this guy's cool. one to watch. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I watch him. I watch his pace and his movement uh, on the ball is, is is really his first touch is really nice and his ability to control the ball with pace is 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 really impressive uh, and he he knows where to make runs as well. He's kind of like he reminds me a little bit in the in this sense only of Azorio in the sense that like he knows how to how to draw draw players and 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 yeah. find space and he's a great dribbler. Come on the pressure, I uh, yeah. Like when I first saw him play at the at the Big O, I remember just think telling myself, I was like, I've I've played with guys like these before. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, do you know sometimes you play like when I've played, I see dudes who just as soon as they touch the ball, you're like, oh, you're kind of unique. You know what I mean? There's something special about your game. And the moment he touched the ball, I remember just thinking, I've seen this before. Not to say I've seen him, but I've seen guys like this, and I'm happy that finally. One of the street ballers or pickup players or like high level players that I've used to play with or against finally made it through. And I was just like, oh, all right. That's, you know, that's awesome. You know, so. So, so it's really interesting you say that because for me, everybody, everybody is that guy for me because like mm. 
I'll be honest. I have the first touch of a rapist. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a good footballer. So like everybody is a baller compared to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like okay, granted, I played amateur my entire level. The highest, uh, was, the high, the highest, the highest I played was double A. But I've played a lot of dudes who've played much higher than I have, and I was able to keep up with them. To what capacity we can debate endlessly. I won't say I'm the most amazing player. I will never say that. But yeah. I'm confident enough to you know hold myself to higher levels. Mm-hmm. But I, I and also like in the first issue, I wrote in my story how I kind of explored Montreal through pickup soccer, going to different yeah. parks and different fields, and that's where I met a lot of these guys. And going to the Jean Mosses, going to that's the, it, yeah. yeah. Jean Moss, there's Kent Park, which is a really sketchy park, but when you see those guys play, it's incredible. Oh man, it's like you're in Paris or something. They're incredible, they're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's I'm just really optimistic where Canada's going with uh with this program and. You said earlier how you're kind of worried that maybe it's too much too soon. I, you're the first person to say that. And I kind of like, it sort of clicks in my head. I'm like, maybe that's a valid point. But at the same time, uh, I'm happy it's happening. I'm just happy. And also- Yeah, there's there's no better time than now, right? Exactly. And also what, what John Herman's doing, I think he's going to stick around to 2026. And then if Canada's successful or does really well, I have a feeling England might start knocking at his door. Yeah, I feel like that's gonna. It's only a matter of time because actually, at the restaurant, my family owns a restaurant, and you should come by when you're in Montreal, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he, uh, there's an old English uh, man who keeps who eats at a restaurant, and he's like a Crystal Palace fan from like the '60s. He was watching respect. Yes, he's like because <laughs> I saw him wearing a Crystal Palace mask, and I'm like, oh, you're a Crystal Palace fan. He's like, yeah, I've been watching him since '65, and I'm like, '65. Oh, he's like, yeah. So I'm a I'm from South London. I'm, I lived around the corner. And he was, and we we're just talking about Canadian football. And he was saying, uh, I like John Herdman. He reminds me of what English football was like back in my day. And I was like, oh. And to me, that started clicking. I was like, maybe England might call him up if he does well. I think, I, I mean, you never know, right? Like, yeah. especially like who, who knows? Like if, if we, if we make it to the group stage and make some, and make some noise, like, yeah, that could definitely turn a lot of heads. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are are already looking very closely at him because he was able to take a program that was like essentially a joke and turn it into a, a like a like a finely sharpened scalpel basically mm. in in the span of what like three and a half years, which is not a lot of time. Not a lot. Of time. No, like well, considering that we've had nearly thirty years of ineptitude since then, with yeah. like a, a, a you know a blip on the radar with the two thousand gold cup guys, right? But like yeah. we've never been able to put it together otherwise. And people people chose not to play for Canada, but people want to play for Canada because John Herbin, as I said, is is a cult leader. Yeah. And and the best possible, you know, like <laughs> way of saying that, right? There's like, no Kool-Aid. There's no Kool-Aid. Yeah, like he, well, he, he is able to get people to believe in themselves and to believe in his vision and the program. And importantly, the guys around them, right? Yes. I think, and I don't know this, like I've had some conversations with some of the players, excuse me. And I, I, they haven't said this explicitly, but from what it looks like, I, I think probably what his greatest achievement is um and this is this is gonna like be a really nice way of tying it all up is being able to build that brotherhood in the locker room and that yeah. trust that trust in each other more so than maybe in himself and that's a sign of a great leader to begin with mm. but to build that trust in that brotherhood in the locker room where these players were willing to fucking go through a brick wall for each other 
Um, because I think he probably understands that out there on the pitch, like you're, you're, you're playing for your brothers, you're yes. playing for your teammates, not for your, not for your manager. Right. Like it's, it's like a more, in, it, there's more of that separation there. And, and that is the Canadian project in my mind is summed up sort of perfectly in, in, <laughs> in a team. Right. Like it's like all these guys from different places in the, of the world with different accents who speak different languages. And actually, I, I asked this question to uh, to a, a panel of the players at the rec room, I think two, three years ago, like before we played uh, the States in Toronto okay. in, 20, in September 2019. Okay. And, and the question that I asked was like, how do you guys, you know, you know, build, build uh, a culture and and like uh, a team identity and understanding in a locker room with so many different accents and languages being spoken, you know, like some, and I think Scott Arfield was on, was on the, the stage mm. uh, when I asked that. And like, I think that's a guy who, who's, who had never set foot in Canada until he played for, for the national team. Really? Or like he had maybe only spent his summers, like come to visit family in the summers or something. Right. Like yeah. not really considered a can would probably didn't consider himself a Canadian. Mm. Um, so how do you build that consensus? Uh, and, and I remember that, that Steven Yastakio answered that one. He's like, you know, like we just like, we, we, we've become brothers. And I think that that's, that's John Herman's secret power is that mm. he can, he can turn strangers into brothers quickly. Yeah. I, that's the thing. It's, it's again, from a Quebec perspective, we always are self-excluded in this province is very self, I mean, especially with the current provincial government. I, I don't want to get into that because I, yeah, yeah. I really, that's, that's another podcast that we, can that's do. another, <laughs> yeah, that's another podcast. I just, <laughs> and I can gripe about Doug Ford. Yeah. <laughs> provincial talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, um, but that's the thing. It's like seeing someone like Samuel Piet who, or even Maxime Crepeau or even James Pantamus, uh, I think he's still the third choice keeper. I forget, but like, I think it, I don't know, not anymore. It was St. Clair, but anyway, it keeps going back and forth. But, um, all the oh, Quebec, yeah, Dane, Saint, Dane St. Clair or something. Yeah. 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 So like all the, th all the Quebec players that are in the team and see them integrate and just be one with the team. For me, I really hope that other Quebecois fans who are sort of on the periphery looking in, see those moments of brotherhood yeah. And, yeah. and let them know. It's like, yo, like if you understand this brotherhood, this is how this country will be once you go to Qatar and once the world cup comes here. And I don't think Montreal will ever host the World Cup. It breaks my heart to say this. I don't think Montreal will ever be a host. I think you guys got burned by the Olympics, and there's not much of an appetite for anything other than like your the the Formula One weekend and the the semi regular riots that occurred in the Habs <laughs> playoff runs. Which are, I was coming out of out of a Wu Tang Clan concert at um, I think it was called Metropolis yeah, at St. Catherine. And, yeah, yeah, and Laurent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is in 2007, and you guys had beat Boston in like <laughs> game seven of the first round. That'll do and it. That'll it, do it. it shouldn't have even gone to seven games, but like the team had really sort of shit the bed that year. Yeah. And so I come out of this Wu Tang playing concert. Charles, like, not even in playoffs. So I'm not even paying attention. And I, we come out of it, and there's fucking cops firing tear gas rounds and shit. <laughs> and there's like, it's like, flashing lights and and cops everywhere and people yeah. running and smoke i'm like <laughs> the fuck is going on and so me uh, me and my roommate we lived at sherbrooke and atwater at the time ah, and so okay. we're with our crew and and so we're like okay like let's start heading out back west and so we started walking along st catherine street oh, like, it's getting worse and worse <laughs> well it was sort of like for a while it was it was like 
eerily quiet. Yeah. But we were like drunk and like hyped up still on the fact that we had just like passed the blood to 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 Red Man, you know what I mean? Really? So like, we were like, <laughs> yeah, like we're 20 years old or 19 years old. Yeah, like, yeah we just saw a fucking Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, like, so we're not really thinking about it, but it's like at a certain point, I'm like, I'm like, guys, like it's kind of quiet around here. And 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 we're there, they were like, Yeah, that's kind of weird. And we're like, we don't really think anything of it. And then I'm like, I kind of smell like something burning and I think all these windows have been smashed. And then we get to McGill college and, and St. Catherine uh, and, and the, the windows of the mall, I think it was the Harry Rosen there on the North, the Northeast corner at the time had been smashed. And I was like, yeah, these windows have definitely been smashed. And like we crossed the street and went another block and we just saw a line of riot cops like gearing up. And I was like, oh shit, (laughs) we're in a riot. Let's do this. (laughs) Yeah, because like, so I came of age, like my my ninth grade was spent skipping class in high school Mm -hmm. uh, to to organize protests and die-ins and shit at like young, like in the middle of Toronto against the second war in Iraq. So like for me, like I'm sort of like, uh, like uh, there, there's like a part of me that sort of gets a half chub when I see a cop with a bike <laughs> because it's like, okay, what kind of chaos is about to happen? Right. Like, like, um, so, so I, I remember that we got to, to Ghee and we, what's the name of the bar that, um, that, uh, uh, Richler used to drink, not Richler, uh, Leonard Cohen used to drink at, at like, at like Ghee or like St. Mike. There was a bar there. We used to go there all the time and sit in the patio. And so we just sat on the oh, patio. Oh, uh, Winston Churchill or Winnie's? The, the Winston, the Winnie's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we went there and we sat on, on their like little terrace on the yeah. front and we just fucking smoked cigarettes and drank beer <laughs> and watched the cops beat these dudes senseless that they caught trying to fucking loot the oh, footlocker wow. across the street. You- yeah, it was it was a grand night. Like, you had- like <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. You had, I would say, I, you know, because today... Today, like all these students who come from abroad or from other problems come to much other like, oh, it's nice, it's hipster, it's cute. And I'm like, there's a darker side to the city that you have not experienced. Oh, yeah. Just and wait till the Habs win in the playoffs. That's it. <laughs> and you saw it. You saw it. And I like that because like I try to explain to people that's Montreal I grew up in. I yeah. grew up in a Montreal that was very like um my favorite yeah. thing about Montreal is is the anti-police brutality uh, protest yeah. that happens every year in the spring and always devolves into just like a running battle right. with the cops. Yo, big up the anarchists in Montreal, who hang, especially the ones that like have been living at, at uh, what is it, like De Maisonneuve and, yeah. and, and Saint, Saint Laurent all these years. Yeah, like, like a plateau, yeah. Yeah, 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 like those guys are wild. I love them. Like, yeah, they're fighting wild. the cops. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> I just, you know, like every time I see that happen, I'm like, I always tell myself, you guys got balls. I'm like, all right, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and principles, right? Like, I'm, I say I'm a socialist, but like, I have a nice place and I have a good job. Like, I'm definitely part of the bourgeoisie class. Like, yeah, like, I think like, these guys actually live their principles. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, also much as an affordable city where you can afford to actually live by your principles and live by your political views, you know? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call Toronto a place where you can like really afford to live, but no, like, you, yeah, you, you can eke out an existence. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, much of the housing is, is going up, but not to the same extent as Toronto. Like when I hear that, it's insane to me. Yeah. 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 It's, it's incredible. It's so, 
my folks bought their place for like, I think $130,000 in 87. Yeah. And my mom sold it for, for seven digits. Uh, first bidder that came in, like no bidding, like she needed to get it. She just wanted to get it off her hands. Like wow. no work put into it. And like, it ain't nothing. It's a semi detached with a sh- shared driveway. Right. Like yeah. that used to be sort of like what should have been in reach for somebody like me at my age. My parents were, I were younger than me when they bought that and, and, and had me. Um, and my girlfriend and I have better jobs, higher paying jobs that yeah. both of my parents had it. And like, we can barely afford our dog. So it's, I mean, I, that's, that's also why I'm a socialist because like, I, I think something's broken and, and not working. So maybe yeah. let's try something else. Yeah, no, I mean, most Montrealers will definitely agree with you. But whenever I tell yeah. Montrealers, like uh, all my Montreal friends who, you know, born and raised in Montreal their entire life. And I tell them what the housing is like in Toronto. They don't believe me half the time. I'm like, no, this is what it is out there. It's insane. That's why they're all coming here because it's affordable. Yeah. You can get twice the space for half the price. Uh, yeah. Things have to kind of and, and culture, right? Like yeah. Toronto is only now starting to believe in itself and, and develop an identity. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the, the same sort of length and richness of a history that Montreal has. Montreal, people forget, was the premier city in Canada. Yeah. For you know, 250 years basically. Yeah. Right. Until, until 40 years ago when, 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 when the, not the party Quebecois, the, uh, the, yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah, Quebecois. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the PQ came into power, came into yeah. power and introduced what was it, bill 101, yeah. which was the language laws. Yeah. And that, then all the Anglo businesses and banks basically loaded their money into, into armored trucks. It's called the 401 Exodus. Yes. It drove them to Toronto. I think it was the Sun Life or the Canada Life Building literally built a replica of their building on Bloor Street in Toronto. Really? It's, it's like, I think it's at like René Levesque. It's like that sort of like pyramid. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, 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 yeah. To scale replica. And like, <laughs> to me, that's got to be like a fuck you. It's like, we've done yeah. business here all these years and like, now you're going to bust our balls? Like, Go fuck yourself. Also, BMO, uh, Bank of Montreal, their headquarters in Toronto, not in Montreal anymore. So that's already because because it's cheaper to do business in Toronto because you don't have to do business in two languages. Yeah, that's well, that's the thing. And it's yeah. um, I mean, I'm growing up, we were always told that. And like, I mean, if I went through both French and English systems, and in French <clears> systems, <throat> they were like, they kind of don't bring it up. In English systems, they're like, this is the consequences of these actions, you know? Yeah. And like, they're like, let's be honest, this is what it is, right? And but now it's Montreal sort of bouncing back and it's nice to see. And also like Montreal is over. There's a huge, there's a huge tech hub. Montreal yeah. is really leading the country in terms of AI and machine learning development. Yeah. Um, and that, that's like really, I think like where, where a lot of your growth is going to come from. And it's, it's great because you've got four universities in a small, small island. So, yeah. so like that, that's going to be a huge key to your growth going forward. Exactly. And then what's adding to it is that there's a ton of new uh, students and even young expats from France and Belgium moving in. So mm-hmm. there's like an influx of all these French people coming, which is like, I love, hate it. I love it because they're all, a lot of them are awesome. They're cool to hang out with. I also hate it because like, I find it really pretentious and obnoxious at times because <laughs> Yeah, you because know, you're like you don't know Montreal. Like, yeah, it's the same thing for me. Like, people people move here from like Burlington or like Oakville or 
you know, like other parts of, of Ontario and they're like, yeah, I'm from Toronto. It's like, you're not from Toronto. <laughs> you weren't here when Ozing the Ossington Strip wasn't cool, when it was just like a bunch of Portuguese grandparents and pensioners and we would like do graffiti and buy weed and skateboard down there. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like fun. That sounds like so much it was, fun. It was great. It was like, it was not what it was then. And, and, and uh, so like, I totally get it. And I... I also feel a little bit that way as well now as like a part Montrealer. Like, mm-hmm. like, don't get me wrong. I love going to eat and drink in Verdun now. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I see these people here and I was like, man, when I was a kid, my grandparents used to threaten to send me here if I missed my game. <laughs> so like, like, you don't, you don't know what this place is like. Yeah. No, exactly. Like I, I, I carry that too. Like, uh, I have a lot of friends who are from the South shore, so they don't know what it was like to grow up Montreal as a teenager. Yeah. They're suburban kids. Exactly. And I remember like, you know, I, I, I live at Angrigo Metro, so I had to go from Angrigo. Oh, downtown. okay. So I need to go through all those ghetto Metro stops. And uh, I remember this one time, uh, these two guys came on the Metro and they're trying to rob me. And I talked myself out of getting robbed. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of proud. I was able to do this. And like one guy was, one guy had his hand in the pocket and then who was sitting next to me and a guy across from me. Guy across from me was like doing drugs. I was like, no, I'm good. And he was like, okay, well, my boy likes your jacket. Give him your jacket. I was like, <laughs> it was like in November or December. And I'm like, no, it's cold. I need this jacket. I'm not giving it to you. He was like, well, we're going to have a problem. And I'm like, I'm not giving you this jacket. And then he was like, okay, what else do you have? And I'm like, he's like, give me your money. I was like, I don't have any money. He was like, what do you mean you don't have any money? I was like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to work. That's where I'm going to get my money. <laughs> and we're going back and forth. And then he's like, just empty your pockets. I emptied my pockets. And he saw I had nothing, nothing yeah. at all, not even a cell phone. And he just looked at his friend. He was like, yo, this guy's broke as shit. And I just got off the next stop. And I told him, that's what it was like going through Verdun every day. Something yeah. like this was going to happen to you. Yeah. And, and <laughs> But now it's like, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm going there and, and like ordering bone marrow and like yeah. <laughs> $70 bottles of wine. Like, And don't get me wrong. I love it. I'm fine with it. I love it. Me like, too. Yeah. Like also... Be mindful of where you're gentrifying to, mm. to those who are coming to our cities. That's it. Urban planning and demographics with Jason Wren. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. Oh, man. I love that we went off tangent. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not even being sarcastic. I actually love this. But uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. So we're pushing an hour. And oh, man, we could talk about this all night. But uh, I got to ask you these two questions before mm. we get out. So going back to football, obviously. Uh, is there a match that you absolutely want to watch in world football? Like what is the match that is the top of your bucket list that you want? Yeah, I have, I have two. So yeah. Uh, one is the, the Belgrade Derby. Zvezda versus Partizan. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is I want to watch um, uh, Boca Juniors versus River at La Bombonera. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Throughout this, okay. Throughout this conversation, I realized it's like you are an Argentinian fan at heart. There's so much about you that's more Argentinian than Canadian in terms of fandom of the game. Or it's your passion. It's that's it. Like I always told people the best fans in the world. Because when I was in Buenos Aires, I shared this before in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand passion until I got to Argentina. I never went to a game. I never went to a game. I missed not I, I, I regret it. I missed an opportunity to go to a game, but I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. And but it was River Plate playing Boca Juniors for like a Super Cup or something. Yeah, it's the fucking the greatest derby in the fucking Western Hemisphere. That's it. And I was in a cab going back to uh, my lodging, and I just hear goal, 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 and I thought it was from the radio. So I checked the the cab driver's cab driver's radio. It's not even on. Mm-hmm. I rolled down the window, and I realized it's people screaming goal out of their apartments, and it's bouncing off the walls of different buildings. It's just reverberating through the city streets, and I was like. 
I have never experienced it. Not even with a Habs game in Montreal. I've never experienced anything like this before. Yeah, the whole, all, all what's, I don't even know, 11 million people of Buenos Aires, like, yeah, like something just like exploding. That. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And that's really where you, you see like the passion and, and the importance of football and how, how, how central it is to, to understanding like a place anywhere in the world outside of North America. You know what I mean? Yes. Like if you, if you, if you want to understand a, a, a city you're in or a town you're in, go, go look at the, the supporters terrace, you know, at the local football match mm. and you'll get a pretty good idea of what they're about. Exactly. That's a very good, uh, thesis, uh, not thesis, uh, method. It's a, it's a bit of a thesis. Like one day, like, if I if I make it rich, I'd like to go back to school and just like write a write a write a PhD about exactly that. Actually, I, yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, before you get to the next question, I was so close. So I have a master's in religion. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if I told you this. So I, it's like a yeah. You could totally you could write a, a thesis about how football is a modern religion. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to do it, and then my supervisor advised me. He's like, it's he's like, oh, it's kind of not overdone, but he's like, it's uh everyone knows do something different so i did on video games and that was like wake yeah i got to play video games as my research so that was fun <laughs> well it, mark Marin said it as well what is it um oh it's same thing with marvel marvel guys are just the marvel fans are just part of a religion yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love mark Marin. yeah okay it's 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 true i mean almost in the study of religion what we found is like if there's enough passion and concentration and love put into this one thing, it's pretty much a religion at this point. Why do you think the best managers are cult leaders? There you go. Klopp right. is, I revere Klopp almost at a scary level that my my pastor would be concerned. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I to- literally, I refer to Pochettino as Papa Poch. <laughs> <laughs> when Pope Francis dies, is Pochettino the next Pope? That's what uh, it is. Oh. Pope Pochettino. Pope Pochettino. Too many P's, but it works. Pope Maurizio. Pope Maurizio. Papa Maurizio. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, actually, okay, before I get to the second question, actually, why did, why are you Spurs fan? Uh, because of the Jewish club. Really? Uh, okay, okay, okay. So so one of my best boys growing up, his cousins are are uh, Spurs supporters. And they're, they're, they're like North London Yids. Uh, um, I, and... So like I didn't really know much about soccer until I moved to Montreal. To be entirely honest with you, oh. that's where like I really sort of like started getting into football. But growing up, uh, his cousins would always like talk about Spurs. Ah, uh. so like I kind of knew about them in the back of my mind. And then when I was in Montreal, my first year at at Atwater and Sherburn or at Sherbrook, yeah, my neighbors above me uh, were were big uh, EPL fans, and they supported like. Uh, United and Arsenal and Chelsea, right. like like the easy teams. Yeah, and and they had cable, so I I would go up and watch watch you know games with them uh, on like the weekends and Champions League and shit. And so I decided like I needed a team. And as a as a Maple Leafs fan, as like a Toronto sports fan, like as like a like a Raptors fan, and most of our history for as the Raptors have been a bit of a joke as well. Like I was like, I don't want to support like a like an easy team. I'm not a glory hunter, right? Mm, like okay. So that. so 
everybody made, I realized pretty quickly that everybody like talked shit about Spurs and made fun of Spurs. Even the commentators, like, like (laughs) even to this day, everybody loves the shit on Spurs. And and so I was like, oh, I wonder why these guys are like the underdogs. And then, and then, you know, like I remembered, oh yeah, the the Jewish club, like Jules's cousins told me about like how the, the Yids in North London in 1882 was like working class Jewish neighborhood. That's why just worth of, of, of like the stadium is called little Russia, right? It was where all the oh, Russian Jews went to. Okay. Um, and, and so the nicknames, the Yids, they're sort of like a middling, this is like 2007. So like a middling, like yeah. basically sort of like, like kind of shitty team, mid table yeah. team. Um, so I was like, yeah, that resonates with me. And I got really lucky that that's around the time where like Harry Redknapp was our manager mm. and we had, we had Berbatov and we had, yeah. um, we had Luka Modric and we had Bale, and, Bale, you know, like we sort of like, we started getting good and started having like expectations of, of actually succeeding. So I like happened to, to, to start falling in love with football and with Spurs right around the time that, that they started getting good. So I've been on this like sort of roller coaster ride with them. I, I missed out on like the really dark years and the, in like the nineties and early two thousands. I missed out on like really like, following their 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 carling cup run in 2008 like mm. that's the last time we won anything oh my god uh, <laughs> um yeah like sorry like if anybody's coming here looking for banter like i know spurs are shit like that's why i support <laughs> them like i lean into that <laughs> i love that uh, yeah um but like again like if you're an arsenal fan like if you're gonna try to talk shit to me all I have to do is turn on Arsenal fan TV and be like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, shut up. Get out of here. So how did you feel when Jermaine Defoe came to TFC? Uh, I fucking hate him. Really? Yeah. Like, I'm, I, like, fuck him. I'm glad he retired. I wish he Good. never played after that. Like, yeah, I really actually, and like, I'm probably the only, the only Spurs fan uh, that will say that. But like, yeah, to me, he's a fucking Benedict Arnold. Like he came, <laughs> he came looking for money and looking to get, to get a call to the national team. And when it didn't work, he got, he, he caught like that English homesick bug and like, just sort of like mail, like, like not even mailed it in. Like he stopped fucking turning up for work. So fuck him. Like, I like that answer. I and he's, like that. And, and it's hard for me to say that because I know he's a great guy and he had that great relationship with that kid, uh, who died of cancer yes, at, at Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah. 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 So like, I'm saying this like emotionally gut reaction as, as a Toronto fan. Mm. Um, uh, uh, like, and I know all of these things that he's like probably a lovely guy, but fuck Jermaine Defoe. I respect that. I respect that answer a lot. And I respect the honesty, honestly. Like I was not expecting that answer. So that's, I'm clipping that. Just yeah, like, yeah. I'm clipping that. <laughs> by, by all means, by all means. <laughs> and then lastly, um, what's, uh, what's the top venue What's the best? What's the venue you want to watch a game? That's top of your bucket list. Um, La Bombonera or or uh, the Red Stars uh, Stadium in uh, in Belgrade. Nice. I would put the caveat for that one though, like at a derby. Yeah, uh, their their atmosphere is is incredible. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see a, a Red Star Belgrade Euro League basketball game. Oh yeah, I uh, seen I seen YouTube videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, probably La Bombonera. That, okay. Uh, uh, I'd love to see the Maracanã, uh, mm. like it, it in Brazil, not not the one in Bel. Well, the, and the one in Belgrade. Yeah. I've been particularly lucky, like uh, as uh, so I follow Genoa, and we have like a little bit of a of a friendship with some of the ultras in Genoa, which is oh, cool. over there 
twice a year for the Derby and like I have season seats on the Grand in the Nord. Wow. And so I've been incredibly lucky to be able to tra uh, travel with Genoa and with the Serie B team in the town that I stay in, in Chiavari. The team's called uh, Intella, okay. uh, Virtu Intella. And so like with them, I've been able to go to like uh, away to Milan. And we were, you know, we were at the San Siro. I've been to Parma, I've been to Empoli, mm -hmm. uh, been to Fiorentina. No, I haven't been to Fiorentina with uh, for a game. I've just been there to, 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 to visit the city. Uh, yeah, but like been able to, to like, and like, in addition to Genoa, Genoa is a great stadium as well because it's the only sort of like English style stadium oh. in in Italy. So Genoa has a lot of English connections. So it was the, it's the first professional football team in Italy. It was formed in 1893, uh, and mm -hmm. that Genoa is why they call managers in in Italy Mister because uh, it was an English manager, okay. and the game was brought to Genoa by English sailors who would right. come to, to, to port at Genoa because it's on it's on the west coast, and it was like the, the main port in the Mediterranean right. for Italy at that time, at least like northern Italy. Yeah. Um, so so there's that. That's also why they have the St. George's Cross on their crest. Oh, okay. Everything's yeah. clicking. Yeah, it makes sense. And Genoa is actually also was originally the sister team of Boca. So oh. Boca's colors were originally red and blue. Uh, oh. sorry. Uh, yeah, red and blue. And that's because Boca is named after a neighborhood in Genoa called Boca della Mer. Oh, and so Boca's an Italian neighborhood in, in, in Argentina. That's why it's the Italian neighborhood. It's Genovese. Oh. It was made up of like working class Genovese uh, people from Boca della Mer. Uh, and so their colors were originally red and blue like Genoa's. And then in the, I think it was in the 50s at some point, um, the, the owners and the presidents of the two teams got into an argument. And so the owner of, of Boca... I decided to break off like this friendship, basically this relationship. And he said, okay, that's it. We're going down to the port. And they walked out of the port and he said, the first ship that comes into the port, whatever flag it's flying on the back, that's, that's our new colors. And the first ship that came in was a Swedish ship. And that's why they're blue and yellow. <laughs> okay. It's like a weird bet. In a way. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I love that. That's a, that's an incredible story to be honest. That's like, um, I read this book called Angels with Dirty Faces. I, I love that book. It's yeah, a great incredible book. book. Yeah. Great book. I've recommended it on this podcast. People go read that. It's if you want to understand why Argentina is the way it is with football, read that book. It's so good. Um, right now, I'm, I'm reading Soccernomics. I bought that book years ago, but never touched yeah. it. So, Are you reading the 2018 edition, like the, the yeah. updated edition? Updated. Yeah, that, that one's got a great one. The, the chapter about networks, about footballing networks, yeah. is going to be really informative for you in terms of like how, what the path forward is for, for, for Canada's future development and how I'm and not the importance of bringing over like other people, like internationals with knowledge to, to help inform yeah. and, and, and deepen our, our networks. Um, uh, that's a really good one. They have an expanded section on like racism and race in football, which is super interesting. Mm. Um, and they have a really interesting conversation about sugar daddies and the roles that they put in the Roman Abramovich's. Yeah. And, and like the, the, I call them the natural resource authoritarian leaders, uh, <laughs> yeah. because they're, they're not just from, from the Persian Gulf. They're, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. Um, yeah. Fuck capitalists. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh but also like communists, <laughs> but we, but we need them. We need them for this game. <laughs> we do. So, um, but but yeah, yeah, you'll really enjoy that. Actually, and maybe that's something that we should discuss like with the other with the other guys, like when we're just kicking it. But like maybe we should start like a Derby cast uh book club or something. <laughs> That'll be fun. 
I've got a great one for your for your listeners if I yeah. can find it. So actually, I have I have a couple. I'll give I'll give you my top three for now. Go. So uh, just understanding the like the way that football football you know reflects a society and how and like that sort of like yeah, art imitating life, life imitating art sort of sort yeah. of thing works. Highly recommend. Also, anybody who's interested in Italian football in the late 90s and early 2000s, a season with Verona. This is uh, written by an English guy who lived in Verona, uh, had a kid in Verona and and like decided to follow the team around for a year. Super interesting. Uh, one of my favorites, David Goldblatt, The Game of Our Lives. Uh, this one's fantastic. He's just like a, a great writer. He's a, he's, he's a fan. Yeah. Um, and he's also just like such a brilliant guy. And so really interesting insights. And then this one I picked up in the airport on my way home from Genoa once. I, yeah. uh, I picked it up in Amsterdam in a, in a bookstore. Cause I, I had finished my book. Yeah. Uh, it's a short one. It's a quick read. I read it literally on the flight from Amsterdam back to Toronto. And I was both crying, like, like sort of like shedding tears and laughing out loud. Uh, on the plane, all all while reading this book, and it's called "What I What We Think About When We Think About Football," and I think that this is probably my favorite one, just because it's quick, it's simple, it's easy to read. Yeah. But as a football fan, it it will speak to you. It will. There's going to be something in there that that elicits those 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 okay. visceral responses that I had. Uh, can't can't recommend them enough. But yeah, if any of your if any of your listeners are interested in that. Uh, don't order them off of Amazon because also fuck Jeff Bezos. He doesn't need more of your money. <laughs> yeah. but you can find them all on Abe Books. Abe um, Books. Yeah. And if anybody's who, you know, in Toronto is interested particularly in 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 um uh Napoli, uh Once Upon a Time in Napoli is is a great, great book as well. Okay. It's, it's about Maradona. Oh. That's Maradona Napoli is it is an interesting affair. Um Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a soap opera. And, and again, football is everything that happens off the pitch. That's just the game. Like like the the soap opera of Maradona is like part of it's it's heartbreaking to watch, but it's also part of what makes Maradona Maradona, right? Mm. Like he's larger than life. So, 100%. Uh okay, last question, absolute last question. How many times have you been to Italy? Uh sounds like a lot cuz I want to do a season on Italian football and I think you're going to be a guest on it for sure. For so. Four or five? I can't yeah. I can't quite remember right now. Okay. So generally so yeah, I think I think four. Four? Okay. Four uh, four or five. I keep my season seats on the Gradinata Nord at Genoa and I, I my buddy Bombo over there will just like give them to like whatever youth like needs them or, yeah. or like whoever from the group needs them. Going back to our conversation about property value in Toronto or property prices in Toronto. We're thinking it's actually, it looks like it's probably cheaper for us to buy a place in Italy than to actually buy a place in Toronto. <laughs> so we're thinking about oh, like boy. working remotely six months out of the year from Italy and then spending the summers in Toronto. Ah, that's so amazing. like, yeah, like, so I like, that's, that's sort of like where I want to be spending more and more time, but okay. yeah, I love it there. Like, okay. listen, I love the food. I love yes. the music. I love, I love the the fashion. I love the football. Like I like boring football. I like, I like defensive <laughs> football. I, I'm. I'm with you. I've been to Italy about four times myself. Uh, mm. My ex-girlfriend's Italian. Like I was in a long-distance relationship with a, with a girl in Italy. And oh, whereabouts? Uh, in in Umbria, in a small town called Foligno. Uh, I know Foligno. Yeah, yeah. Where she, Nick Foligno's from. Yeah. Well, where where his family's <laughs> from? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, like she was living at Rome, the university, but that's where she's originally from. But that's a that's another story. But yeah, uh, but yeah. That being said, uh, that's on international dating with Jason and Anna. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but again, thank you for coming through. It was um, it's uh, this. I'm being honest. This one way better than I expected. This was a lot of fun. Wow, I'm happy. I, I'm so happy. It's I, a pleasure. I love this conversation. And uh, is there any last final words you would like to share or anything before we log off? Yeah. Um, I mean, I imagine that most of your, your listeners are, are already like, you know, part of, part of the, the, let's call it the tribe. They're, they're part of the congregation already. Yeah. So get your friends excited and it's getting harder and harder to get them to get tickets, especially if you're not a voyager. So here, this is what I'll say. If you're not a voyager yet, Pay your 20 fucking dollars and become a Voyager because it's going to be the best way that you can make sure that you can get tickets for Canada going forward. Mm. Get your friends excited and like shame them for not having like believed in <laughs> what we believed in earlier because, yeah. you know, now we look like fucking prophets. Um, but get, <laughs> get your friends involved. Get like get people excited about them. Yeah. Um, you know support local football. So if there's a CPL team around you, if there's a league one team or something, you know, like if there are people trying to start grassroots football clubs, like go support the, watch the games, like go volunteer, try to help them out. Like, as I said, we're, we're trying to build a, a movement here. Like when we host the world cup in 2026, we'll be building on 30, 40 years, maybe of, of footballing tradition and, and really only 20. If yeah. you really want to, it, it, well, like if you want to talk about it seriously. Uh, and we're going to be hosting countries that have 100, 125, 150 years of footballing tradition. Like mm. we have to, if we want to continue to see success, we have to start really putting in the work. Yeah. As I said, we're not consumers. We're active participants. That's why our, the teams we support are clubs and, and not franchises. Yes. So hold your clubs accountable. I think people need to stop being so complacent and consuming what's given to them and get angry at your club and, and, and hold them accountable and, 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 and fight for your rights as fans and supporters, because it, it's, it's, it's a cliche at this point, but it football without fans is nothing. And, and, mm. and in order to grow the sport in Canada, we need the fans to build the hype so that other people can get, can get interested and get inspired. And then one day, you know, the next Alfonso Davies comes through the ranks and just wows the world and puts Leo Messi in his pocket and makes, yeah. him, makes him his bitch. <laughs> Sorry, that's not an ally thing to say, but that's what Alfonso did. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Eli, thank you so much. This was so incredible. To everyone listening, thank you for being an audience. Thank you for listening. And this was, I think, so far an incredible conversation and one of my favorite episodes already. So, We'll uh, do it. We'll do it again soon. And, we're doing this again. hundred yeah. percent. This is yeah. We'll do. Yeah. We'll do. We'll do check ins throughout the season. Yes. But thank, thank you as well for letting me come on and of course and spew ridiculous shit uh, again. <laughs> That's a fun part. <laughs> uh, uh, and thank you guys for what you you're doing. Like shout out you. Shout out everybody uh, who's working with Darby. Yeah. Uh, you guys are doing incredible work and really important work. Uh, so, so keep doing it. We love it. And thank you for it because it makes me so proud and so happy to see. Awesome. You. Thank you so much. We're, we're, we, it's because of, it's because of uh, people like you who support and show the love is the reason why we do it. So again, thank you for everyone listening. Thank you for being an audience and from Montreal. Thanks for listening. This is Soccer Pilgrim. Thank you. Thank you.